0: Well, there, there was a man and a woman, and, and they were sitting on a bench, and they watched this young couple walk by. The man looked at the couple, and then he leaned over to his wife, and he said, Don't they look just as happy as they can be, honey? Just a happy young couple. And, and she leaned back over to him, and she said, I don't know, honey. They might be saying the same thing about us. Um, Ruth chapter 3. Ruth chapter 3 and chapter 4. We talked through the book of Ruth a, a couple of years ago now. And as I talked through this book, verse by verse, something just kept kind of connecting for me in, in a message that I thought maybe maybe I can teach this, you know, or talk about this on, on an occasion near Valentine's Day or something. I, I usually do, do, do not like these days as in confining what you preach. You know, on any Sunday or, or any time we meet, you, you have a wide range of the entire Word of God... But when you come down to Mother's Day, Father's Day, New Year's, things like this, there's something that maybe the people expect. And, and, you know, what you have to choose from to preach becomes very narrow. There have even been many occasions where I have not preached according to the theme of whatever holiday is close by. And, but, but something just kept holding on to me and connecting in my mind in the book of Ruth. And I thought if I have the privilege and opportunity to bring a message near Valentine's Day or something like that, 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 it, would, that it would be something like this. And, and so we're going to look throughout a few verses in chapter 3 and a few verses in chapter 4 at a happy couple tonight. And if you don't need this, maybe you'll use it for counsel for other people. Or, or you and I just being refreshed and, and mindful of the things that we stand for concerning love, concerning marriage, concerning the engagement period, all of these things. So, here in the book of Ruth, we have Boaz and we have Ruth, a happy couple. We're most all familiar with Boaz and Ruth. For those who aren't, you have Ruth, who was a Moabite woman. She was from Moab. It was a a godless place where there was a lot of false god worshipping. But she had a way out through her mother-in-law, Naomi. And she went back to the land of the people of God with Naomi. And... She moved out of the filth of the famine of the land of Moab. She came to the land of God's people. She needed some food for her and Naomi. Ruth ended up in this field, a particular field. It was the field of a man named Boaz. And long story short, the two came together. They fell in love. And they got married, and we would just call Boaz and Ruth a happy couple. If you call them that, you're right. You're not mistaken like the couple on the bench might say. You're right about this couple. And we're just going to look at a few things about them and pull out a few things about relationship for us today that makes for a happy couple. So if you'll join me in chapter 3, verse 13, we're going to talk about a promise to wait. Boaz says to Ruth, Tarry this night, and it shall be in the morning, that if he will not perform unto thee the part of a kinsman well, let him do the kinsman part. But if he will not do the part of a kinsman to thee, Then will I do the part of a kinsman to thee, as the Lord liveth, lie down until the morning. You have Boaz and Ruth here, and and they would like to get married. But there's a right thing to do in this. According to the custom of the day, there was a right thing to happen for this young widow. And that was the next of kin to her husband, who had died he has rights he's first to be able to marry Ruth and he is known about and it's the right thing that Boaz go to him and to provide to him the opportunity and let him know what is there before him that it is his right he is first in line to marry Ruth that had to be done That was the right thing to be done. And so there was a time to wait. They needed to wait on something. Something was necessary for them to wait before getting married. In their case, it was one man closer, a near kinsman who had that right. And so Boaz does the right thing. He goes to the man to present the man with the opportunity. So Boaz and Ruth waited. They waited for the right thing to take place, for the righteous thing to be done first. And as we might bring things home to us today and think about things in a relationship for a happy couple today, there is an exclusive wait for two who would plan to be married because two will get engaged, okay? This involves a man and a woman making a promise to one another. They are two that are part of an exclusive club. There is no one else invited to this engagement club. They are saying, you are for me and I am for you and no one else is allowed in this club. It is an exclusive between the two of them. The restrictions and the limitations allow no one else in this club through their time of engagement. They make a promise to one another as they wait to wed one another. And no one else is invited. But not only can we consider an exclusive wait, there's an excluding wait that's to take place for two who want to be married. As in the two who want to be married, they have to wait to share one roof. There can't be uh, one roof for two in engagement. God could not be more clear on this subject. I'm not going to read, well, I'll, I'll tell you the verse. It's Hebrews 13:4. I was going to give it for homework. But Hebrews 13, 4 says marriage is honorable in all and the bed undefiled. Now that is God in His Word making it clear on an excluding weight that is to take place for two in relationship. God is very direct in His Word. He leaves no room for justification for explaining it away for the most unique, difficult circumstances between two people that would have them to try to justify something like this. He disallows the house together before holy matrimony together. I have a real good friend, and I sometimes I go a couple of years without us speaking. And I just heard the greatest testimony from him that... that um, he wanted to get married, but, but this excluding weight thing wasn't going on. It was two people and one roof, and things weren't adding up right, and he knew it. And before going and asking a preacher to marry him, he was convicted that he had to get the math right under the people and the rooftops that they were under, and he did. He, you know, the financial situation, everything that had been developed, he trusted the Lord and he did what he should have done. And everything worked out. He was provided for. God honored his decision in the excluding weight by his testimony that took place. But we, we can also consider an expressing weight that there is to be before marriage. There's a way that a man and a woman will express their love one to another. Which comes after marriage. Therefore, two are to make these promises to wait together and to wait with God until marriage. Two relationships in the Bible, someone said, friendship and marriage, and they can't find another relationship on this subject. We can only consider, uh, we can not only consider a promise to wait though. But there's a promise of wealth when it comes to marriage. I, t- I tell you what, I never considered such a positive word wealth tying that with marriage and the upbringing I had and the surrounding and people that I was around growing up. But, but we have that. And back in the study, we dug that out of Ruth chapter 3, verse 15. It says, also he said, Bring the veil that thou hast upon thee, and hold it. And when she held it, he measured six measures of barley and laid it to her, and she went into the city. Man, she had some grain. She had some food. There was the the sign of, of wealth here. And there was also another sign here. As Ruth walked through town with a twinkle in her eye, carrying probably more than half her weight on her back in this barley, and there were things in it that said that there was a wedding to come. A wedding was on the way. While they were waiting for all things to be right, they showed sign that a wedding was coming for... For the uniting of the two. You know, there's, there's a perception out there of marriage that I grew up around that, that was so very negative. Uh, the idea of marriage being depriving, of marriage being restricting, of it being risky to commit, that don't commit to that. And just do things the casual way so there's no pressure upon you. That's all I ever really heard. And you know, when I've heard people, when people are going to be married, I've heard people ask them, well, when's the funeral going to be? You know, I I was unsaved for for a couple of decades, you know, for a good couple of decades, and, and those things kind of hang on to me, and maybe I've asked some of you that before you've gotten married. When's the funeral going to be? And, and of course, I don't mean that. I mean that lighthearted, and, but, but the environment I was around, they might say they were saying it as a joke, but they were serious. Marriage was a negative thing to them, but I tell you what, once I was saved in marriage, I found it to be great wealth. Now, I'm not saying that marriage saved me. I'm not saying my wife saved me. I've told people about Jesus before, and they said, well, my wife saved me. And and, and don't get me wrong, a relationship can cause some good things. But I was saved after we were married. Now, that's not saying anything against my wife. She asked me and talked to me, and I had a testimony for her. And I thought the testimony was true in a profession of faith I made. And, and I was baptized and became a member of a little Baptist church in the country. i, I tell you I didn't have any upbringing in the Lord, but, but there was just that certain rough time in my life for a little less than a year that I was away from my family and with, a, with another part of my family, and I did go to church. But, but what I found out is that I was never saved. And so, and so I was saved in the middle of my marriage And and I tell you what, I found marriage to be great gain when God is in it. I found a lot of change to take place. As a matter of fact, it was relationship and difficulties in it that, that brought me to my attention that I needed the Lord. There is a promise of wealth here with Boaz and Ruth. And look, there's a promise of wealth in relationship and marriage the right way with God. I mean, marriage is the plan of God. Marriage is impossible with God. People go to the justice of the peace, I know, but, but God is the one who ordained marriage. He is the one who brought it about. Marriage is His plan. A man and a woman joining together to become one flesh. This happens by God's design. The Lord has put this together to be a beautiful experience in life. Marriage is only possible with God. I have a couple of things to say now and and you might find them humorous i don't mean them to be humorous i'm very serious when i say that that the challenges of marriage will let one know how much they need the lord and and that's a serious thing we gain much realization of our need for the lord in marriage You know, anytime we see our hopelessness by ourselves, our helplessness without the Lord, that's a great gaining of wealth all in and of itself right there. And I'm telling you tonight that marriage will do that. Marriage will show us our great need for the Lord as we roll up our sleeves and go to give 100% from both ends to make this work. Marriage will do this to us. It will show us our need for the Lord. There are challenges in marriage which require something greater than ourselves. If you haven't been there, you will be there. I was there as a lost man. And and I was doing everything within myself to be determined to make things better. And they only got worse. These challenges require something beyond our greatest efforts. A marriage needs the divine aid of the Lord, and we have that promise of wealth as we seek the Lord in our marriage. We should not feel like a failure when the con- the conflict arises because it's almost always going to... I'm going to say it's always going to arise. I have a problem believing anyone who says they've never had conflict in their marriage. It's going to happen. And we shouldn't feel like a failure when that arises. Don't give up. Get more of God in it. And that's what we need to do. There's a promise to wait that we need to consider tonight and some wonderful spiritual values that we have as children of God. There is a promise of wealth and marriage. And then I want us to consider something else. And by the way, I, I've, I've never seen any kind of message put together like this. Trusting that the Lord and I did this here. And I I want us to look at a promise of worship together. In chapter 4, if you will turn with me, probably over one page. And we're going to look at verses 13 through 17. A promise of worship. So Boaz took Ruth, and she was his wife. And when he went in unto her, the Lord gave her conception, and she bare a son. And the women said unto Naomi, Blessed be the Lord, which hath not left this, left thee this day without a kinsman, that his name may be famous in Israel. And he shall be unto thee a restorer of thy life and a nourisher of thine old age. For thy daughter-in-law, which loveth thee, which is better to thee than seven sons, hath borne him. And Naomi took the child and laid it in her bosom and became nurse unto it. And the women, her neighbors, gave it a name, saying, There is a son born to Naomi, and they called his name Obed. He is the father of Jesse, the father of David. Boaz and Ruth married and then they started a family. And they were given a child. I've heard wonderful Christian couples before say that they were praying for a child. Or praying for another child. And when you say something like that, unfortunately sometimes you can expect the sarcastic little witty answer back. That do I need to teach you about the birds and the bees. Verse 13 says, The Lord gave Ruth conception, and she bare a son. God gave Boaz and Ruth to one another, and He gave them a child. You know, when I say that, it just makes me think about, you know, couples who want a child or want another child in a good godly home. And their aim would be to raise their children in the nurture and the admonition of the Lord. And when that doesn't happen, we just don't know why. But we can trust the Lord. We can trust the one who makes no mistakes and believe that heaven holds the reason why. And it's a good reason You know, the reason could be God's mercy and God's grace because of something tragic that would happen in the child's life. You never know what God is up to. Or maybe it's these precious little babies who are without families, who are in need of a man and a woman to be a mother and a father to this child. Whatever the case may be, We can trust God with that. But back to the point. The Christian couple and family can become clear on the understanding that marriage and family, relationship and children are gifts that are given by God. Man and woman uniting in a lifelong covenant, having children and being a family This comes from the hand of God. It is His plan. It is His pattern for our lives. God created family. So family ought to commit the worshiping of their family to their Creator. The child's name is Obed. And that name, Obed, it means worshiping. Boaz And Ruth, they worshipped the Lord together. They worshipped the Lord for who He is, His salvation, and the ordaining of their marriage and family. I said this about five messages or five weeks ago, but there's a song and a line to a song that keeps coming to my mind over and over and it just never leaves. Children ought to see parents Praise the Lord and hear father and mother pray. Families ought to worship together. You know, we talk about marriage requiring 100% on both ends. We talk about the sacrifice that that there must be in a relationship and being sensitive to one another's needs and all of that. But how often do we talk about worshiping the Lord together? I'm... I'm willing and will sit down with with any couple and would love to talk about marriage when needed. I'm I'm thankful for what God has done in mine and it and and you won't break me of the hope that God has for yours. You'll never break me of the hope of what God will do for yours. You know and 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 we might think about sitting down and talking about all the ways we should act and respond to one another and talk about these different details of of physical action and and words to one another and, and daily responses. And we can talk about all of that. But I tell you what, as I, as I consider this tonight, as I consider the marriage and I consider the family and that the family ought to worship together, it makes me think of, of a first lesson for sitting down and talking to someone about marriage and that is, that is do you worship together? I, I don't mean do you just sit in church beside one another, but do you truly worship together? I know what it is like to sit in church beside one another because my wife got me to go to church she wanted our child to to be to be in the womb while she was in the church and that child come out and and there was a church for the child and I didn't want to look like a heathen so I said sure I'll go along and I went and sat in the pew but that doesn't mean that I was a man of God to my wife that doesn't mean that I was a godly father to my child I sat there and I couldn't even worship with my family because I wasn't saved I tell you there's a great counsel to start with and that is truly worshiping the Lord together there is a prospering in marriage when two truly worship the Lord. That's what Boaz and Ruth did together. This is what needed to happen. And it what it's what needs to happen in lives and relationships today. Together, worship the one who brought us together. The one who is the greatest counselor that can fix it all in counseling. Who advises worship together and really emphasizes that? Just a, just a point I think of with Boaz and Ruth. And, you know, and as I consider and used myself as an example, that I couldn't do that. You know, for that to happen, there must be two saved people in the marriage To be able to worship the Lord together must be saved by Jesus Christ in order to be able to worship. And and so as we consider this tonight, let let us think about these values that come from God's Word, that comes from His pattern, that we might have this marriage of wealth, that we might have a marriage of worshiping and and that for young folks that that would that it would all start out with a promise to wait and that that happy couple might be it might be by way of the one who ordained it it might be by way of the one who designed it let us look to the lord jesus christ in all things but as i say this maybe there is one here tonight or maybe there's one listening tonight who who can't worship yet. And you realize that you can't worship the Lord because you have never believed on the Lord Jesus Christ personally in your life. According to the subject tonight, you haven't been married to Jesus yet. You know, Paul was married to Jesus and married to ministry in his life. You need to start there. You need to start there to have the hope of heaven to know Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. And you're invited to do so by the Lord tonight. He's here with us, and He is ready and willing to save your life, to save you from all of your sins, to wash all your sins away. Would you trust Him if you don't know Him as your Lord and Savior? Can we tonight realize that that there is hope in a marriage? There is hope for a family because of the one who ordained it, the one who designed it, the one who gave it to us. The one who gave it to us will restore it in all ways. Oh, he's so good. I don't know about you, but I, I love him tonight. I love the Lord for saving us and he didn't have to do anything else, but but look at everything else he does for us. He's he's a wonderful father and we have an amazing savior and there is Always hope in Him. And that hope is never broken. Take what you will. Take what God gives you from His Word tonight and whatever it does in your heart. Work work with Him on it. Take it to Him. And and if you're unsaved here tonight, you're about to have an opportunity to be saved. It's not by walking an aisle. Maybe it happened in the middle of this service or just maybe there's something that you need to take to the Lord in prayer. Maybe there's someone... Not that everything's perfect with us, but maybe there's someone that you truly need to take to the Lord in prayer tonight. And so this is, this is our time to do business with God. We're going to pray, and I'm sure that Brother Ryan has a, a hymn of invitation for us. And let's spend time with God and just, just meditate on Him. And so let us bow tonight to the Lord. Father in heaven... We do humble ourselves before your presence tonight. Lord, and we thank you for your word. I ask that you forgive me for not speaking more often on the things that we've talked about tonight. Lord, we need them in our lives. We need the guidance of your, of your truth, of your word, and, and we need to preach the doctrine of it. And so we thank you for your principles. We thank you, Lord, For your Holy Spirit in our hearts convicting us. Convicting us and leading us to a life that honors you. And I thank you for your free and full salvation by grace. That is always offered to the lost sinner. Who is without hope. Who does not have peace with you. And Lord we pray that they would come into union with you in a relationship tonight. That they would trust you as Lord and Savior of their lives. Those who do not know you. And that they would be forgiven Lord of all their sins. That they would have a home in heaven. Lord bless this portion of your word tonight. To the hearts of your people. And and do what you will in their lives with it. And I love you tonight and I thank you for your word. Have your way with your people now. May we have hearts and attitudes to obey you. And to be submissive to you and your holiness tonight. And we pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. If everyone would please stand.